Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you are Lord of all, including our minds, our intellect. And as you both confounded and then restored King Nebuchadnezzar's mind and healed the demon-possessed man and put him in his right mind, I pray the same for us, that you would heal our minds, fill them with your truth. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help me now as I preach. Come, Holy Spirit. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's probably been at least a half dozen of you have come to me and in a moment of frustration have thrown your hands in the air and said, that's it, I'm swearing off the news until after the election. I just can't take it anymore. I'm not watching another news feed until after the election. And I know why. Anxiety is running really high right now. Our whole country is very tense. As if the pandemic wasn't enough, all the other stuff is there too. And um, I've seen some of your Facebook posts, and you're cracking. At some point, you get to just a break point, and you fire something off, and there it is in the world. Um, It's a tough time. And one of the things that happens when we're under stress like this is that um, psychological transference happens, where we have a, a problem, and we fixate on someone in a position of power to solve the problem, and then all of our energy goes there. This happens from everyone from the president to people in any kind of authority down to pastors, CEOs, people in leadership. And it's, a, it's, it's not a cognitive thing. It's just what comes out of a person. We, we tend to project onto somebody because we're feeling helpless. And people in positions of power are a target for that. So really my topic today is about power, the concept of power. And the main point is that the most high rules the kingdom of men. And that that will be reiterated throughout the text today. I haven't given a Lord of the Rings reference in a long time, so I feel like it's fair game. And in my mind, I can just hear Kate Blanchett's dreamy voice narrating as an elf and kind of a, a sort of a watcher or a heavenly type voice saying, above all, men love power. And that's kind of how that movie starts out. And what we find that's so fascinating is that for some reason in the Lord of the Rings, hobbits have an uncanny ability to not be persuaded by power like men are in that story. And it makes it very interesting. And we all know the saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, at some point, once we have some power, pride becomes inevitable. And on the other side, without power, insecurity and fear creep in. And what we're looking at today are exiles in Daniel's day who are without power. And the book of Daniel is first about them. Now, some of you that are in the 2020 group studying Daniel with us um, have struggled a little bit because you've said, I'm having a really hard time um, identifying with Daniel and his three friends because they're perfect. They do incredible things. They show no sin and they can like walk through fire and they can survive lion's dens and they do all this stuff and I just can't connect. I'm having a hard time Um, lining up with them. And of course you are, because those are hero stories. And keep in mind, the exiles were in exile because of their sin. They didn't need any kind of a story that highlighted their sin or their failure. They were living in it moment by moment for 70 years. What they needed was hope. What they needed to know was that God hadn't abandoned them. They needed to know that God was still with them. 
And so these stories, it's not that Daniel and his friends were sinless. It's just they don't point that out. They show great faith in moments of trial for an oppressed people, which gives courage to the exiles. The people we're supposed to identify with is not Daniel. It's actually the exiles. We're living as people kind of in exile in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. How would chapter 4 make the exiles feel? That's the question that Daniel would have us ask today. How would they feel? Well, God is humbling their proud oppressor. They probably lit up when they heard this story. Wait, you're going to make Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world, crawl like an ox and eat grass until he praises God? Yay! Right? That's what the exiles were feeling. Like, yes, the Most High is ruling the kingdom of men. That's what they were, that's what they would have thought. And the author's intent, by the way, is part of the text. It's part of the content. That's like Bible Interpretation 101. The, the context is part of the content. So we have to pay attention to what's going on here. Now, chapter 4 marks the end of Nebuchadnezzar's rule. In chapter 5, we're going to see a different person in power and not hear anything from the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar again. And in this text, he gives three testimonies of God's goodness. In fact, the whole thing is set up like an epistle. The very first word that he says is like writing a letter. In chapter 4, he starts out and he says, um, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages. And then he gives a testimony of God's goodness. And he does it again in the middle of it, and he does it again at the end of it. And so again, for the exiles, the great Nebuchadnezzar has come to praise the king of heaven. That's really encouraging to exiles. Now, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we tag on the end, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Nebuchadnezzar did not do that initially. He had to have a number of things happen in his life to get to the place where he could say, yours is the glory, not mine. And God in his grace gave him not one dream, but two. The first dream of the big statue didn't go so well because then, as we heard last week, he made a big gold statue instead. That didn't work. So he gets a second dream, which is really actually a nightmare. So the dream is this. He saw a tree, a large tree, out in the middle of the earth, and it was large enough that it could be seen from the ends of the earth. And it grew so large that its branches reached to the heavens. Now remember, in the land of Shinar, where the Tower of Babel was built to reach to the heavens, that's symbolic of man trying to be our own lords. Got so big, and its branches went out, and it had beautiful leaves on it, and it had abundant fruit, and the beasts of the field had shade under it, and the birds landed in the branches. But then it says a, a watcher. I'm not quite sure what that is. Maybe it's Nebuchadnezzar trying to come up with language for an angelic visitation. A watcher, a holy one of heaven, came down and said, chop that tree down, lop off its branches, strip it of its leaves, scatter its fruit. And then the beasts and the birds will all flee. And then there's something interesting that happens right here in, in this telling. This is first person. This is Nebuchadnezzar is telling this. And in verse 15, it says, But leave the stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. And then it changes the pronouns. It's, it is a tree. It's, it's, in, it's saying it. And then all of a sudden it says, Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. It shifts from saying it is a stump to now it's a person. Let him 
be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods, seven is the number for completeness. So let a complete period of time, however long it takes, in other words, as long as it takes for him to learn the lesson, let a complete period of time, seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is the, dec the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones. And then I drew a box in my Bible around this phrase because it pops up three times in here. To the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Three times that's in there. And I don't want you to miss that. That's the main point of chapter four. You could do a whole sermon on how God humbles the proud and you know, it, it, it does seem like pride could be central here. But actually what is central here is the lordship of God. He is the most high and he rules over the kingdoms of men. Now the narrative has three scenes. And remember, this is a highly crafted chapter. It, he's writing a narrative and he's putting themes in here to help us. And so the narrative has three different scenes. The first scene takes place in the palace. And I'll look at verses four and six. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. That's verse four. And then verse six says, so I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me to make known to me the interpretation of my dream. So he's in his palace where he has pleasure and he has power. I was at ease in the comfort of my palace and I made a decree and made all the, all the smart people come to me to give me the interpretation of my dream. He's in power and pleasure, in other words. And then in the midst of that, Daniel comes in because nobody else can interpret the dream and Daniel interprets it. He says, this is about you. And the first time we hear that main point about the most high ruling the kingdoms of men, it's put in the words of Nebuchadnezzar. The second time it's put in the mouth of Daniel. He's saying, this, you're that tree, as you suspected. And mind, mind you, Daniel was afraid. He was afraid to tell the hot-headed King Nebuchadnezzar that this is, a, this is bad for you. May this be for your enemies, O king, and not for you, because this is not a good thing. You're the tree, and you're going to be cut down. And what this means is you're going to be made to wander out in the grass and eat grass like an ox until your hair grows so long it's like eagle's feathers and your nails grow out and curve like the claws of an eagle. It's nasty and it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And again, he says, until you know, this is uh, verse 25, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. I put a box around that in chapter four of my Bible. Very important. So, Second, so that's in the palace. The second scene is in the roof. On verse 29, it says that he is at the end of 12 months. By the way, it took 12 months until this actually happened. So that word comes, and 12 months later, he's on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty, right? He's boasting in himself from the roof of his palace, looking down upon everything. See, in pride, we look down. In humility, we look up. 
but in pride. He's looking down from the roof, and he's going, look at this. This is amazing. And he sees the temple that he built, and he sees the hanging gardens, and he sees all the wall. One scholar said the wall was said to be so wide, a chariot with four horses could do a U-turn on the top of the wall and go the other direction. That was the wall that he had built around the city for his majesty. He's boasting about how great he is. And it is an impressive city. And then God speaks. The third time that main point is put in the mouth of someone, it's actually a voice coming straight from heaven. In fact, it says that while the words were still in the king's mouth, in verse 31, a voice fell from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. And then I boxed it in my chapter 4, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Do you know what the best posture is for looking up? It's laying on your back on the ground. He went from the roof of his palace looking down and boasting at how great he was to crawling around like an ox in the grass. And then it comes to verse 34 and he says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. I mean, you get kind of tired of staring at grass, right? He finally looked up, his reason was restored, and then he worshiped God, the Most High. Three times the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. But there's actually an interesting little thing in the first time. I skipped over it. The first time when Nebuchadnezzar says it, he adds one little thing to the end of that. This is back in verse 17. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Let me jump over to Isaiah for a second and read something that's very well known to many of you. Isaiah 53, 2 to 5. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, how great is my majesty? Well, this one Isaiah is describing is not like that. Had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. That passage, of course, is pointing to the suffering servant of Isaiah, to the Messiah, to Jesus, the one who is the lowliest of men and who actually has majesty and power. But rather than looking down and boasting in himself, he's constantly looking to the Father. And he says this to us in Matthew chapter 11, that if you're weary and burdened to come to him, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He even takes that word lowly and says it of himself. The way that he leads is a lowly way. He says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek. What do the meek get? You remember? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The Lord, the Most High, rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. 
and sets over that the lowliest of men. Jesus is Lord of all. And he told his followers that it's my father's desire to give to you the kingdom. And if you have faith like a little child, talk about lowly. Unless you have faith like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. And so here we go once again. We see God's economy different from the world's. It's like upside down. Whoever's greatest is actually the least, and it's backwards. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Nebuchadnezzar looked down and praised himself. Jesus also at one point looked down. He went over to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, and he looked down on the holy city, and he wept over it. He didn't boast in its glory. He wept that it didn't fulfill its purpose. What a different type of leadership we see. And then after his resurrection, our Lord said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. See, it was after he laid down his life and conquered sin and death on the cross that the Father gave him all authority. Now, he was Lord of all. All things were created through him, but something happened there. He had come in his earthly ministry and said, I declare the presence of the kingdom here in your midst. And then Satan was defeated and power was taken back, and authority was placed where it rightfully belonged. All authority has been given to me. So Jesus is Lord. We have to keep reminding ourselves in times like this. So let me close with a, just a very simple application for you. I'm assuming you'll go in person, but maybe you won't. Maybe you'll mail it in. But when you go to the little box, and you get the piece of paper, and you have your marker, and you fill in your dots, right before you walk over and it scans into the thing, I want you to stop and say, Okay, Lord, here's my vote, but the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and Jesus is Lord. And then let go of the anxiety. Walk over, slide it in, put your sticker on, I voted, and walk out. And walk out with peace. The world is running around in frenetic craziness. You don't have to be like that. Jesus has this. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men, Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, again, I thank you for the work of Daniel writing this down for us, and I thank you for the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar moving glory from his own heart and giving it to you. Thank you for your grace to him, giving him two dreams and not just one. And thank you for your grace with us that over and over and over you invite us to trust you. I pray that we would have your peace that surpasses understanding in these crazy times in which we live. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to